0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Spec Tennis Podcast. Thanks for joining today. Today I am joined by Ryan Hanrahan from Australia who has done some pretty incredible things with his tennis programs over there and we became friends during the pandemic and just been bouncing a lot of ideas off of each other and he has a lot of great value that he's going to share with you today. Welcome Ryan.
1: Thanks Nate. Um, It's a pleasure to to come on to the show and um, have a chat with you.
0: Oh, thanks so much for taking the time out of your uh, busy day. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was when I first met you, you mentioned that you had totally shifted your tennis program to include what, what you called match play. Now, I'm not sure if you still call it match play, but essentially you made a complete shift in your program from what people typically think of tennis programs where they have a lot of private lessons and clinics and a lot of ball feeding and that sort of thing to this play-based program, which has brought great success for you. And I think it's really helped grow tennis in your area. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So um, it was originally match play. Um, So I now call it point play. and I'll come back to the reasons why a bit later, but basically it all started um, back in 2019 and I was coaching um, on the call with a few, you know, I had one or two other coaches helping and always found like it was pre- I had a pretty good system in helping people pick up the game uh, from learning the strokes, and had a good uh, feel-based uh, coaching approach where people like would coach the players what it feels like to hit the ball and what muscles to engage and how to think about it and all that kind of thing rather than what it should look like because as players they don't really know what they look like because they can't watch it themselves as they play. So I did it around that, and the strokes you could pick up the strokes quite well. But, you know, trying to replicate other coaches to do that was hard. But then the problem came from learning how to hit the strokes and then getting players to rally. And then so that's, you know, from 2014 to 19. And then fast forward to 19, I had a French coach um, who was overseas for the year and he was like one of my assistant coaches and I was training him up for the AATC in Australia. And I was doing like this weekly course with Andrew with them, so we just come Andrew Hill in Australia, just two hours a week on a Sunday morning, and we just come in and train. And when Andrew thought they had enough knowledge to qualify each level, then they would pass them. So it wasn't like a come to a six-hour course and then fail or pass. It was just keep going until you get the correct knowledge. And the way Andrew set it up was really, really, really um like impressive because everything was based around rallies and playing points. And I was like, well, how do, how do you do that? You know, so uh, other coaches would probably be the same. You know, it's hard to get a player to rally from the get-go, you know, because it's a skill-based sport and it's hard enough just to teach them the strokes and the common approach is to teach them the technique so they can do that. But the way Andrew did it was you'd get 15 minutes warm-up and then so you'd rally from the service line, forehands and backhands, and then 50 uh, five minutes – uh, volley warm up uh, standing just inside the service line, so then you practice your extension on the volleys and then five minutes serving. And that works well and good. And there's like, I always thinking, what about if the player is a beginner? Do they do that? But Andrew's like, we just do the five second rule. And so, the you know, my interpretation hopefully is fairly close to what Andrew was trying to explain to me, and it's the way I use it on the five second rule is where you have five seconds to. If you miss the ball is to chase it, pick it up, come back and, come and feed it when you get back into position and then you feed it back in. So yeah, even if you miss a shot, you have a second chance to then correct it and train your, your body and your tracking and your eyes to basically hit the ball the correct way every time. So it's not miss and feel bad, miss and feel bad. It's chase the ball, come back and continue. And so then I was like, well, that is pretty good. So I started trying to implement that into my lessons. And it it really, the results were quite like a massive improvement. And it was easy for other coaches to replicate because you could just get them to basically focus on a few basic things and they could help players pick up the game quite quickly. And so from that, you know, at the end of 2019, I've always thought, well, you know how do how do we keep tennis players into tennis? Like not just a few of them that are keen, but how do we keep like a the majority of people playing tennis? And I feel like it's from a lack of purpose, um, is the reason why people often go to another sport, like you know soccer or a team sport. You know, so I think when you play soccer, what do you sign up for? You sign up to play the game. You don't really sign up to do some lessons. So I was thinking, how do we as a tennis Tennis as a sport, how do how does tennis do that? So I was thinking, you know, if we just create a basically a program which I called match play at the time, where they come and just play, and then modify so you can play at all levels, even to the the level where they just rolling even a a bigger plastic ball because they're getting the concept of you know going back and forth. That that's also teaching them how to track the ball naturally, and as their skills improve. You can improve like the, the you know the level. So they might bounce the ball, and they hit the ball over a lower net, or they have double bounce, or they have you know the five second rule, which I explained before, and whatever it is, you just challenge them a little bit more at a time so they get to that next level. But the problem was having the lessons the way they are, and then trying to get people to do that. So I didn't know what to do, how to like transition the program because I was worried about people pulling out. But, you know, COVID came through 2020. And then from there, you know, we got like our government payout. So I just refunded everyone um, just so then I could have a clean slate. And then it didn't matter how many people I had. And I was willing to lose people because I really believed in the new approach. So I started like that. I did lose uh, a number of people, I think, because of people being worried to come back on the court, but also because of the structure of the new program. They were used to the old one. You know, through COVID, I... Helped me kind of reset, so I refunded everyone that was currently on the programs on pause because we couldn't play on the court due to COVID, and the council took the nets away, so and they locked them with extra locks, so we couldn't get on the court. So I, I refunded everyone, so I started back from ground zero, and the money that I refunded them was from the, um, you know, the government payouts. Instead of saving it, I used it to invest in resetting. And then when I re- when there was time to get back on the course, I told everyone about the new program, which caused a drop of players uh, due to, you know, people didn't want to come out still because of COVID. And, you know, they weren't used to the new program style. So, you know, I came back with 30 players, uh, you know, July 2020. By September 2020, I had 70 players. And at November, I had 150 players because – People that some of the people that stayed and the new people really really liked the engagement of the match play, but the problem that I had initially with the word match play was it sounds a bit too complicated. So they just wanna I just want to learn first. I don't think I'm good enough to play match play yet, and it sounds a bit daunting. So I stopped advertising the word match play. Just advertised what the word did you know what the sessions would do. They help you pick up the game faster by rallying less lineups, more flow, things that people are looking for, you know, constant hitting the ball. Like, you know, you're not really having much of a break. The kids are feeling energetic. They're feeling tired. They're not getting bored. So I did it that way, but then I changed the word early last year, 2021, to the word point play because point play is sounds – I don't know why, but it attracts everyone a lot better because they feel like they're learning how to play points rather than they've already – I guess, come to the end point of playing match play. It is match play. It's the same thing. It's just the different wording, really. So from then on, you know, I knew how to you know advertise, but I could only do it in pockets because of my time. So at the end of last year, we hired a virtual assistant and we've gone from, um, you know, we had 150 players end of 2020. COVID came again in 2021 with all the lockdowns. We dropped back down to 80. And then by the end of last year and continuing to this year, we had 300 players per week and it's only at 300 because we need to hire some more coaches and just trying to find coaches at this stage is a little bit tricky. So it could be, we've got about 50 to a hundred players on the waiting list. So we've grown quite quickly because of the way the program structured. So that's a long that's answer, <laughs> but man, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, I'm glad you elaborated <laughs> on that whole thing because you, you got one idea about the five second rule and, making things more like a point and then suddenly just transition your whole program and t- really took a leap of faith. So if I understand that correctly, you just completely abandon the whole, the traditional model of giving players private lessons. And instead they participate now in this match play point play program from day one, even if they're a beginner because you have all these different modifications that you can use depending on what level they're at. And then uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but then if a, if a player wants more assistance, then there's a reason for them to come to you for a private lesson because they need to advance to the next level in point play. Does that sound correct?
1: Yeah. So I didn't abandon private lessons, but you know, you, from your explanation, as overall in the end, you got there. So basically, we set it up and we encourage people to play point play. And if they do a private lesson, I often encourage like a private group. It's, it's not really a one-on-one. It's not private in that sense, but it's private in terms of, you know, you bring your own friends or family along and it's your own private group. No one else can join it. And so they share the cost. But they, that program also, even if it's private, is structured into a point play session. And then once they go from there, if they want to add another session, then we build into more, you know, technique-based, tactical-based. The, some of the tactics come into the point play depending on the level or they're naturally taught. So it's just the flow from the game of tennis. So, you know, like, what is tennis? Tennis is hitting the ball back and forth over the net inside the Lions, you know, with a few, like, rules in terms of serving and and all that. But people come to learn the game of tennis when they sign up, and that's what they're thinking. Even though they know that they have to learn the skills of forehand, backhand serve, and the movement and watching the ball and all that kind of stuff, if you put them in the scenario of playing the point, not to what you often think, and you need to guide them slowly. They they often adapt quite quickly, especially if you coach them the right technique, the right way to position, the right way to watch the ball, the right way to stabilize, you know, and the right way to hit the ball, like through the stroke. So we teach them how to self-feed it. So we line them up, we drop the ball, we teach them how to basically stand in the position that's got the correct stroke model. You know, every coach might or every um academy might have a little bit different way to do it but as long as they follow their method the strokes will come out quite strongly if they break it down into four or five steps Which i also learned from andrew to do that um, is probably a good way to break the strokes down so i have a five step model on the forehand and the backhand and then that way on the self-feeding we can teach the players how to hit a nice strong self-feed so when they come to the rallies or to the points and they chase the ball in the five second or the second chance rule when they come back after they pick out the ball to feed the ball they are quite consistent and stable on their strokes. So they know what a good stroke feels like. And all we have to teach them then is how to track the ball down and position themselves. And then that's in a rally. And then in a point, we teach them how to basically, you know, do their one, two stroke patterns, um, like the art of winning um, preach, where you basically teach yourself how to hit the first stroke in your serve and then one more stroke, but also what patterns to use and how to think about the ball, you know? Because when you play tennis, often people think that to play tennis, they need to know how to rally for almost for ages on end. But they don't really need to. They only need to hit, as the stats show from most levels, um, that you know, Dan Travis and um, Sterling Schroth have shown, even at the lower levels, that most of the points finish between one shot and four shots. So if they can learn how to hit the first two shots well, it works quite well. So that's an easier task, an easier um, mindset for the players to focus on, especially at the beginner level, because they don't feel so daunted by hitting three shots in, then they hit a bad shot, then focusing on that one bad shot. So it makes them feel a lot more confident that they're improving and they can see the results because they, once they, I tell them how to do it and they practice that, they can see that they actually start winning more points. So it's quite, it's quite strong that way then because they're playing the games, then they can have a reason to maybe do some private lessons or, you know, like I've been trying to touch, um, just touched on briefly for some of my posts is result-based training. Then you have a reason to get to it from A to B, you know?
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's, it's shown in so many other industries as well, especially like the fitness industry. Like I want to, you know, lose 15 pounds. And then, so these are the steps we're going to take as, uh, versus the, the current traditional tennis model where it's just like take private lessons and then eventually you'll, you'll play a match, but there's no, no real, it's not as meaningful as playing the match and then taking the private lessons to be able to get to the next level based on your match play. And I think that you made such a good point about, you know, players leaving tennis for soccer and other sports, because every sport I can think of every team sport, you sign up, you practice a couple of times and you play a game. Um, I was talking to a softball coach the other day and she said that a uh, youth softball coach, she said her girls only have three practices before their first game. And a lot of them have never played softball before, before this year. And, you know, they just have to play a game after uh, three practices, but that's, that's what makes it fun is that they, they can compete. They can be out there with their friends. And so I think you've created an amazing system that I'd love to see replicated elsewhere.
1: Yeah. So I'm working on the, um, the system to be uh, replicated elsewhere. So it's easy for people to, follow a system that I can implement with the guidance of tennis marketers like straight away and learn how to like overcome all the difficulties in transition so they can do it smoothly. So that's what our tennis market is working on at the moment. So people, other people can do it with our guidance.
0: Amazing. And I think, uh, I think this is one of the reasons why you and I, you know, see eye to eye and have such great uh, chats as well is because that's, that was one of the main, purposes behind spec tennis is getting getting people to actually be able to play and you know as you know when you go out and play spec tennis if you're a first time player you can play a lot quicker than you can with regular tennis without any modifications and so I think that's um you know one of the things that uh we can we have really good chats about um you recently also implemented spec tennis into your program a little bit how has that gone
1: yeah so spec tennis is really been amazing like i haven't launched it off the ground like i would like to yet but every time i've set it up i you know in the lessons we often use it for the lessons with the uh, spec tennis paddles and the mini nets or sometimes even over the main net on the service line and when people just like basically what you're showing in your your videos before you just give them a spec tennis paddle you're teaching the same self-feeding or even if you teach them a serve, even though in spec you don't really do a serve, but if you tr- translate it to tennis using a spec tennis paddle, if they do that first, they feel like they can do four, five, six shot rallies, and they do. You know, Even um, one time I had a camp, this is almost a whole year ago now, April last year, and on the camp we knew, normally do drills and games and things like that. And I was like, you know, I got to stick to my philosophy. Like, why am I doing the camp a little bit different? Like, we we're still doing points, but why don't I do a spec tennis tournament on the on this last day? And it was just we did it for like an hour and a half at most. No, it was probably less. So I set it up. I had 11 players. I wrote my own Excel program that basically automates. You know, if you put the names down and the score format. It automates the draw, and then when you put the scores in, it updates the ladder automatically, all on Excel. Um, You can't do this in the normal formulas. This is done by back-end coding. And so then I just put the names down, put the scores down, give them first to five or first to seven. I can't remember what it was. I think it was first to seven. These are all seven- to nine-year-old boys. Um, Only one had played before, uh, probably more than one day. So some of them played the day before but only one player has played probably more than 10, 10 times. And they all did four-shot rallies, five-shot rallies, six-shot rallies. There some, obviously, shorter rallies too. I gave them the second-chance rule. Like, I didn't do a five-second rule. do did a second-chance rule where they can chase it and pick it up. And if they would like, delay oh, too long, I would put the five-second rule on them. Um, and then they just come and tell me the score. I put the score in, tell them who's playing next. 11 plays, everyone played each other. Once, so that was 10 matches each. Everyone had a lot of fun. The rallies are super. Then we did semifinals and finals. And that was like high quality. And they all like loved it. When they when their parents picked them up at the end, Like they were telling their parents about two things. It wasn't anything to do with tennis. One was the thingy flip, which you guys probably don't know what it is, but it's basically a, a cube where you, you catch a hacky sack kind of ball um, on the five different sides of the box. And everyone loved that. But the other thing they really, really loved... I think even more than the thingy-flip was the spec tennis tournament. They came, they go, you know, I came seventh in the spec tennis tournament. They didn't really care where they come. The guy that came last was, you know, a little bit sad, but he improved overall. But there's always going to be someone that comes last. But everyone was really excited. You know, they were telling their parents, you know, about the spec tennis tournament. They didn't tell them about anything to do with tennis, really. It was kind of connected to tennis because it's like tennis. But if I did the same thing with tennis – they would have had one-shot rally, two-shot rally. It would have been a little bit fun, but, you know, not as fun. Like, spec tennis enhanced the length of the rally and the quality of the rally, if you know what I mean. So it was done, done quite well. I've even had lessons where we've done spec tennis, adults and kids, um, sometimes it's a family as well. So it's all the combinations. And they, I say, just try this, see how you go. And some, some of the lessons turn into complete spec tennis lessons instead of tennis. Because I go, would you like to go back to the tennis? And they go, no, no, we like to play. We like to play with the spec tennis. This is really fun. We're doing it really well. Then I say, you know, sometimes I say at the end, do you want to see what it's like now to play tennis? And when they try the tennis, I move them back to the baseline from the service line, and they play, and they play a lot better than it did the lesson before, or at, or at the start of the lesson. Depends when the last time they played tennis, and they can see by playing spec tennis that it actually help their tennis and. I really like promote spec tennis as a way to really transition into tennis or, you know, go parallel with tennis, like like basically the purpose you set it up for. But I don't really promote the other sports like that. Maybe touch tennis would be the same and pop tennis, but not like, you know, pickleball or anything like that because it's basically spec tennis is tennis um, with a few modifications to make it easier. So I really, really like it. and I'm really planning now to basically set it up where, going back to my first point, where people should be playing the game, playing, you know, playing tennis. And so the way to do that, especially with the adults, is to, you can have four courts on a one court, or you can play in a hall, or an indoor factory, or anywhere that you can set up a nice location, or even the back of a cafe. You know, if they've got like a bit of a behind, you know, behind the scenes spot where you could play spec tennis, and you have the cafe at the front, there's a lot of different scenarios. Just set it up, play, have some music, nice format of scoring, have some, you know, nibblies or whatever. If the cafe's there, have a drink, have a coffee. And it's just a nice environment and you can pick it up. People can play straight away. They don't need a, you know, four five, ten lessons to pick it up. They can ask their friends to come one time. Their friends can play straight away and it just grows the community. And then when they get a bit better, they can try tennis and then tennis is easier, like we said before. That's a, great. Lot, so- a long window ended answers. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm trying to digest yeah. all this information. I love it. But um, I think that the takeaways that I've got so far today are you know, giving players the experience of actually being able to play um, in order to, to grow something as big as you've grown it. You've created all these systems, very organized systems where you're able to you know, show other coaches your systems and train them to be able to implement them. And just everything's very organized. So you know the next, when a, when a player reaches a certain level, you know the next, uh, the next modification that needs to be made for them to to uh, kind of move them through the match play system. Um, and then you found that spec tennis can really, you know, en- enhance the joy of, of being on the tennis court, especially for, for beginning players.
1: Yeah, that's all right. That's a good summary. So just a correction on the match play is now point play.
0: Yes. Sorry. <laughs> keep going keep it match play. but uh, We use, yeah, we use the word
1: match play for the, uh, once you get a bit of rhythm and you're more confident um, in, in your level. So we call it match play because it sounds more official. Then match play goes into competition later. So basically it's a play on words to work on the mindset of the player and the approach where they're currently standing.
0: I like that. That's also kind of like a, a pyramid as well with, you know, points make up a match. And so they're doing point play first, then they're doing match play, then they're doing competitive play tournaments. Is that how you yeah, would summarize that?
1: That's it. And even if that, even with my top players, what I do is I, I have a lesson. A lot of it's built around tactics and playing. And then, you know, we do some extra lessons to refine the techniques and stuff, but often through the points. But then my transition then is to have, you know, practice matches, you know, and then, then competition. So like casual competitions, then tournaments. So there's like a transition to overcome each natural difficulty. So by the time you get to the competition, it's not lessons to competition. There's another couple of stages in between that joins the links a little bit more strongly. So it's not just for the beginner players, the way we approach it's also for the top level guys.
0: That's great. Do you find as well that you're able to get uh, kids at a younger age coming into your program? Cause I think that's one of the, one of the disadvantages of tennis compared to soccer is uh you know kids are playing soccer at five and six years old they're playing games but they don't play tennis matches until sometimes nine or ten years old so do you find that with the point play system now you're able to give them that competitive experience from an earlier age
1: yeah definitely and that's that's what they thrive for when they well, they naturally thrive for it and you know people say some people say you know competition's scary and we just want it to be fun but having natural competition is what makes it fun. You know, you don't have to focus on the losing and you can celebrate the wins, but not really put people down for the losing. But you just teach them how to be resilient. Um, And just they enjoy the competition naturally. They don't think too much about it. As long as you don't focus on the losing and make it too serious. It is fun. It's more fun to have the competition. Even if you then play another game that's not quite. you might be like a transition game that's like, you know, hitting the ball at them when they're running across the court or a game where they're running around the lines called Pac-Man. They then put that tra- that natural competition into everything else and they don't come off the court bickering who won and who lost. They just kind of get natural banter, natural competitiveness. And then that transitions easy into then putting them into a competition later, you know, so because they, they're just used to it and that's what they like anyway. All natural We all naturally like to be competitive. I think what we don't like is we don't like to be seen as failing or like, you know, that we can't do it or anything like that negative or that we're not pleasing someone else or even pleasing ourselves or it's too much effort, it's making us too nervous. We don't like all that, but we do really like to be competitive and to see our own achievements, you know, and we just have to realise that we we can't win every time. (laughs) No one wins every time and no one loses every time. So it's just about enjoying the fun part of it because when you pick up even a table tennis bat even if I see people actually come down to the tennis courts and you probably see the same thing um people come out there and you know even they just the first shot they do some for some examples the first shot they do they hit the ball they serve it and they play a shot and they call it out there 15 love it's like that's the first shot you've done like what are you talking about but they go out there my point here is they just start scoring anyway and you probably do that with other sports. You just start naturally scoring against your friends. It's only.
0: Oh, yeah. I see, I see of, what you mean. When you no warm yeah. up or anything, the first ball in play, the other guy misses. And then you say 15 love. I've seen that happen plenty yeah, of back times. back to the <laughs> point,
1: they just want to play the game of tennis. Yeah. You know, so they just do and they score it. And it's only us serious people that start trying to take that away and trying to break it down. It's not, that's not what we need to break down. We need to break down how do we get them to do it quickly, not how do we. Take it away and then give it to them later because it's a bit daunting. If you take it away, then here it is. It's like, oh, competition. No, 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 I'm not ready for that. And then you're always constantly trying to convince player by player, one at a time, that they are up to competition. And the player thinks they are, the parent doesn't think they are. And then it's just like an endless cycle. But if you can just put them in and that's just how they do it, they don't argue. They just know they can do it and they yeah, like they, it. You know, they, they want more
0: the only sports I can think of where you, you don't actually get to play the sport in most situations for a really long time. And I think you've, you've solved that riddle of how we can get people actually playing the sport. So I thank you for that. And, uh, I know you've got to run back to the tennis court. Um, but I know I've learned a lot today and I know the listeners will have gotten a lot of, uh, value out of this podcast as well. So thanks so much for being on today, Ryan, uh, Ryan from V tennis. And he also has, uh, tennis marketer, which helps, uh, tennis clubs and pros put systems into place to be able to replicate a system like this, uh, within your own tennis program. And it doesn't just have to be in Australia. It can be in the U S it can be worldwide. So, uh, definitely, uh, reach out to me, Nate at spec If you have any questions or you want to reach out to Ryan as well, I can uh, drop his contact information in the show notes. And once again, thanks for listening to the spec tennis podcast, and we'll see you next time.